welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. They're supporting Israel, and uh, we support the nation of Israel. They're God's people as well as are we. Um, but I kept looking around. I was a little, getting a little nervous, you know, because everywhere there's been a, a rally to, to uh, stand with Israel, there's always a counter-protest of the anti-Semites will go there, and they start chanting, gas the Jews and death to the Jews. And I kept waiting. Matter of fact, I, I told the beer hands, and they said they were coming. I said, uh, wonderful. I said, I would recommend not bringing the kids just because we don't know. Man, not one of them suckers showed up. Not one of them. We had a great time. We had a great time, and I went and talked to the rabbi for a few moments and told him, I said, uh, I just want you to know on behalf of First Church campuses that, that we stand not only with Israel, but we stand with the Jewish community here in this city and uh, Shabbat um, Jewish Center. Amen. So we, we told them that, and I woke up this morning and because I had tweeted it or, or shared a picture of it, and um, the uh, synagogue had re-sent my post um, that we stand with them, and I and I thought that was tremendous that they did that. And so um, we need to pray. We need to continue to pray for Israel. Now, let me say this: T- today I am going to be in teaching mode, and uh, probably not going to get done with this today. And we'll see if that continues over into next Sunday. I'm not sure. But I, I, I will say this. Uh, these global events are happening, and we can't keep doing church as normal with things like this happening. And I, I think it would be wise if we knew the times in which we lived. So if, if you don't consider someone screaming a lot, not preaching, I may not preach a lot. You know, but if you consider the Word of God preaching, you're going to get a lot of preaching. And so we're going to dive into it, and we're going to dive into it in depth. And uh, before it's all said and done, no matter how bad things are getting, I just want to know how to get out of here. Amen. I don't care how pretty the restaurant is when I walk into it and how good the food. Maybe I'm weird, but I always look for the exit first. Just in case something happens, I want to know how to get me and my family out of there. I don't sit with my back to the main door. I just, I want to be, you know, I'm looking for the exit out of this planet right now. Amen. I believe the world, the, the word of God has given us a way that we, we can do that. Amen. Let's read Psalms 112, um, or excuse me, 121. You're right, Sister uh, Chrissy, I'm sorry. 121, beginning one. Uh, This is David's psalm. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. For he that, let me just, can I just, I didn't even say that this morning, but can I just say, he said, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. You ever wonder what that meant? Like, what does that mean? He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. And that's King James' way of saying, he will not allow your foot to be moved. It was the Abrahamic covenant. 
wherever your foot shall tread upon, that land will I give to you. He said, I'm not going to let your foot be moved. I gave you that land. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Verse 4, behold, he that keepeth Israel, neither what? Slumbers nor sleep. You know the difference between sleep and slumber, don't you? Sleep is your, sleep is your out. Slumber is the nodding off. He said, God don't even nod off. He doesn't sleep. Amen. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Verse 4 again. Behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Then the book of Revelations chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Revelations 12. We're going to read 1 through 5 and then verse 13. Um, Please don't panic. It's just the Bible. I know people get scared of the book of Revelation. But let's read this. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. Only mamas can understand this scripture. Women get to that point where they're like, enough of this baby. I'm done with being pregnant. Get out. They start serving eviction notice. They start walking and drinking castor oil and spicy foods and everything they can to get rid. This is where this woman is. She is crying. She is travailing in birth. She is in pain and she wants to be delivered. Verse 3, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Now that woman is Israel. That child is Christ. Amen. And so the dragon is now trying to persecute the woman. Amen. I want to talk to you um, this afternoon on what does the Bible say about this? Um, the the war of Israel and biblical prophecy. Whatever, you know, really, whatever you come up with, that's good. Because I'm just talking about this stuff, all right? And we're going to open up the word of the Lord and see what does the Bible say about Israel and, and about the times that we are living in right now. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you because your compassions fail not. Your mercies are everlasting. I thank you, Lord, for the people of God that are here this afternoon. I ask you, Lord, to open our understanding. Give us insight to your word, insight to scripture, Lord. May it 
challenge us to become ready to make our garments clean and spotless and without wrinkle for the day of your return is soon at hand. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The land of Israel that's populated by the Jewish people today have been there since at least 2000 BC. I've said this before, you'll hear me say it again. The UN did not draw the lines of Israel's nation. God drew the lines for Israel's nation. Israel is not a nation by the UN. It's a nation by God. The land of Israel has been populated by Jewish people since 2000 BC. And here's a timeline, in case you didn't maybe realize how far back it goes to be in their homeland. Around 1900 BC, Abraham was chosen by God to be the father of the Jewish nation. Abraham was a pagan. The voice of God spoke to him and said, hey, I'm God. Abraham's response was, who, which one? No, I am the God, the only God, the almighty God. And Abraham realized something was different. And Abraham says, so, well, what, what do you want me to do? He said, leave. Pack up all your stuff and leave. Okay, God. Where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. This is why he's called the father of the faith, because it took a lot of faith to do that. I mean, it takes a lot of faith for some of us just to drive up the road. But he left everything he knew, and can you imagine how his family received all this? You heard of what? He said he was who? You're going where? How long? Around 1900 BC, Abraham, or Isaac, Abraham's son rules over Israel. Jacob, son of Isaac, rules over Israel. Around 1850 BC, around 1400 BC, Moses leads the people of Israel out of Egypt and back to Israel. Around uh, 1010 B.C., David unites the 12 tribes into one nation. Around 970 B.C., King Solomon, the son of David, builds the first temple structure in Jerusalem. 930 B.C., Israel is divided now into two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Man, we got, some, we got Bible readers here. That's good. In 8... 100 B.C. comes the rise of the prophets, God's messengers. 722 B.C., the kingdom of Israel is conquered by Assyrians. 605 B.C., the kingdom of Judah is conquered by Babylonians. Eight, uh, excuse me, 586 B.C., Solomon's temple is destroyed by the Babylonians. 539 B.C., Persia, uh, Persians conquered the Babylonians and take control of Israel. 538 B.C., the Jews return 
back to Israel from exile. 333 B.C., uh, or excuse me, 432 B.C. Let me back up a few more. Uh, I was trying to skip around here for time's sake, but some of these are really important. Uh, 520 B.C., uh, the temple is rebuilt. Five, excuse me, 450 B.C., reforms were made by Ezra and Nehemiah. 433 B.C. comes Malachi. 532 B.C., the last group of Jews return from exile. Four, and then 333 B.C., the, Greek, the Greeks conquered the Persian Empire. 523 B.C., the Egyptian and Assyrian Empire take over Israel. And 167 B.C., Israel is recaptured and the Jews are ruled independently. Then in 70 B.C., the Roman Empire conquers Israel. 20 B.C., Herod builds the third temple. 6 B.C., Jesus Christ is born in Bethlehem. And 70 A.D., the Romans destroy the temple. Now, after that, the people were captives to the Romans, the Byzantines, the Arabs, the Crusaders. Throughout all of these events, though, God's people, the Jewish people, have remained in Israel. There were more or less of them depending on the centuries that they were in, but there was never a time when the Jews did not live in present-day Israel. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm laying a foundation here. Uh, they stayed, they built their communities, they raised their families, they practiced their faith, and they suffered at the hands of many outside rulers, but they always kept their faith, and that's what sustains them even unto this day. Then in 1948, the UN established the state of Israel, the nation of Jews. Let me say this, do not buy the lies that they are dwelling uh, on land that they are not entitled to. Anyone that says they are occupiers are anti-Semites. And I'm just going to draw that line, that plain. If they say Israel has no right to that land, they are Jewish-hating people. That is God's people. That is God's land. God placed them there almost 4,000 years ago. God established a nation to be in Israel beginning in 2000 B.C. We're at 2000 A.D. You do the math. That is 4,000 years God has had his people in that particular land. So I say it again. The U.N. did not draw those borders. God drew the borders around Israel. And I'm going to tell you something. The God of Israel provided a way for his people to live there, and they have lived there for thousands of years. Amen. And God will not back up, and God will not change his word. If he said he will keep Israel, he is going to keep Israel. Now, Hamas the terrorist organization known as Hamas, and let's not even dignify them by calling them an army. They're terrorists. They're terrorists. And uh, on October 7th, 2023, with approximately 5,000 missiles, a ground invasion that resulted within hours killing over 1,000 Israelis were killed or captured. In response, Israel... The IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, that is their military, has mobilized over 360,000 reservists and is currently trying to 
eliminate Hamas. I've been asked by a number of people my opinion on this. Is this war fulfilling Bible prophecy? Does this mean anything? And that's why I'm talking about the Israel war in prophecy. Because yes, this is a prophecy being fulfilled from the word of God. All throughout history, one nation after another has not tried to defeat the Jews. They have tried to exterminate the Jewish population. It's never been easy or gentle. They wanted nothing but total eradication of the Jewish people. Name another people on this planet that have ever been hated or treated like the Jewish people. Egypt tried when Pharaoh declared, kill all the firstborn of Israel by throwing the babies into the river to be fed to crocodiles. Haman of Persia thought he would eradicate the Jews. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the kingdom of Xerxes. But his head, his head ended up in the gallows that he had built for the Jewish people. Let me warn you, Hamas. Let me warn you, Hezbollah and Iraq and Iran and I see and I saw and whoever else. Let me tell you something. You mess with God's people, you're messing with God. Every nation that rose up to destroy Israel is in the ash heap of history. Ask the Nazis how that worked out for them. Ask Russians how that worked out for them. Ask the Persians how it worked out for them. Ask the Egyptians how it worked out for them. Herod the Great tried. He gave order to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity. The Romans tried. In AD 70, they killed and drove out the Jews, making Jerusalem a non-Jewish city. Hitler and Stalin did their best by killing six million Jews. Six million Jews Hitler killed and million more Millions more by Stalin. There have been seven wars by Arab states against Israel since 1948 alone. Seven wars declared against the nation of Israel since 1948. We haven't even had that. 1948 through 49, 1956, 1967, 1973, 1982, 2006, and 2023. There was the Yom Kippur War of 1973. It involved the Arab nations of Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, Libya, Morocco, Sudan, and other Arab states. Into this traditional mix, this new war is different because now Iran has been added to the mix. And there is an absolute attempted genocide that is happening in the land of Israel again as we sit here today. Iran is getting involved. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit in just a little bit. Iran is funding the war that's happening in Israel right now. And so you, you need to understand that there is a deliberate attempt to take, you say, well, they just want the land. You can't have the land without the people. You can't separate the people from the land. That's God's people. That's God's land. Now, a genocide defined as the deliberate killing of a group, of a large group of people, especially those of a particular ethnic group or nation. The Jewish people have been the most persecuted people of anyone in the history of this planet. 
I think, I think we ought to stand with Israel. Amen. This is pretty shocking. I wanted to share this with you. I, I, don't worry, I'll get a little more excited in a minute. I'll get more animated. I, just, I want to give you some facts. On February 19, 2012, there were an estimated 24.4 million hits on the internet searching for the term destroy Israel. October 10th, 2023, Google released its shocking statistics that just since October 10th, there have been over 608 billion searches for destroying Israel. Excuse me, 608 million. That is 24 times as many as the highest in 2012, February 19th. The growth of anti-Semitism is going through the world rampantly right now. So why? Why, why Israel and why now? Well, let's look at this. I'm not an artist. You will soon find out. The other night, I sat down with Addison before she went to bed, and she had some questions about this, so I pulled out her little homeschool dry erase board, and I broke it down to her like this, and hopefully this will help you. How many would like to say, would, would like to know, why do the Arabs hate the Jews so much? How many would like to answer that question? So let me see if I can draw some stuff up here. Turn this light on so you can see. It won't look like a Smurf board. I know you can draw a better star of David than I can. So you have the Jewish people, six-point star. And then right here, Anybody know what that is? Very good. And this over here is the most pathetic crescent moon you've ever seen, which represents Islam. No, it's not an emaciated banana. So we have, these are the three main religions of the world, Okay. They are all called the Abrahamic faiths. They all come from Abraham. Had many sons and many sons had five. Yeah. So these are all of the Abrahamic faith. Now, there is one thing all three of these faiths have in common and I need to make an exception because not all Christianity holds this and only the, 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 the followers of the word of God that accept the word of God as given to the Jewish people, which Paul said is our schoolmaster. I think we do away with that sometimes. I think because we say, well, we're Israel fulfilled in the new, we don't. There's a lot of who we are is in the root system. The Bible says we're that, we're that new vine that's been grafted into the old root system. See, a vine without roots will die. That's what happened to the New Testament church 
if we didn't have Judaism, the whole church would die. You can have Judaism without Christianity, but you'll never have Christianity without Judaism. So there is one thing all three of these have in common. That is a pathetic... It's not going to get any better. Okay. There we go. Big, big C. Okay. <laughs> Once you see that. What do all of these have in faith, all of these faiths have in common? One God, uh, properly defined, is called monotheism. Mono meaning one, the meaning God, ism means belief of, belief of one God. You learned something today. Give yourselves a hand. All right, so they're all monotheistic. That means we all believe in one God. That's very important because when I say we believe in one God, we don't believe one God divided into individual persons. This is where these religions do not really respect Christianity. Because let's call it um, mainstream Christianity since 325 AD has taken the one God and said he is one God but of three persons. Okay. So, and I don't say that in a mean way. There's a lot of people that, that are, you know, they love God, they serve him the best they can. Get there. We're not saying they're bad people. I don't want any of that. But they believe in, in uh, they would take great offense if you were to, to say polytheism, but uh, because a, someone who believes a, a modern version of the Trinity would say, well, I don't believe in three gods, but by its definition of 325 AD, God of very God, light of very light, essence of very essence, um, they're saying three persons. There's the Father, He is a person, the Son, He is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person, but those three persons are one. Now, if you were to take out the word persons, I could agree with you. If you were to say manifestations. But when you say person, you give them unique wills, identities. You can even see three personalities, and I could go along with that. This isn't, this isn't a one God thing today. Just hold on with me. So that is their big, the, the big disagreement with them. So much so, several years ago when I was in Napa at the Napa State College and did their forum on religion <clears throat> that turned into a debate, most of the stage ended up focused on uh, a Catholic priest, a Mormon bishop, uh, Jewish rabbi and a, a Muslim imam and myself. Now, we had 
yogis and gurus and witch doctors. That's literally what they're called. A yogi, guru, witch doctor. We had some psycho woman that she really needed to go, like, she needed help. We weren't, we weren't far from the Napa State Hospital, and she probably should have went straight there. It, it, was, it was crazy. And um, so, you know, it, the, the debates really started turning to this end, to the, to the Abrahamic faiths. And the priest got up after some, some while, and uh, I don't think he intended to be, but was very condescending. And when he got up and he said, I think I can settle all of this, he said, uh, when it comes to the Christian faith, the Christian faith, he said, in the Christian faith, he said, it began in Rome, Christian faith, which this was news to me and Jesus. Because <laughs> he said it, it started in 325 A.D., That is the formation of the church. That when, when we had the Creed of Nicaea and we began to establish the dogmas of the church and the Holy Trinity and the baptism formula, and that's also when they established to pray to the dead, when they made Mary a demagogue, when they... Um, allowed prayer to saints. All started there. Before that, the church previous to this would have looked at you like your head rolled off your shoulders if you would have told them three persons makes up one God. So he said, I just want to say that on behalf of all the Christians, we are all the same. Since we started at 325 AD and established the church, they are all our wayward children, and they all have come from the Roman Catholic Church. And you can imagine that set as well with me as a skunk at a Sunday picnic. <laughs> and I politely waited for him to sashay back to his chair, and when he did, I raised my hand and said, I got something to say. <laughs> and I said, the, I said, I do appreciate you bringing history into this, but let's bring accurate history in this. I can't remember verbatim what I said. I said, I do agree that the Roman Catholic Church was founded in 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea. It was formed by Constantine in order to organize a church with the early church fathers, Justin Martyr, Origen, and all of these different ones. And I said, I totally agree with that. I agree. That's where the Trinitarian formula came from, the Trinitarian formula of baptism and the titles of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. However, I differ because that is not where the church began. The church began... 290-something years before that in an upper room in Pente at Pentecost. 
where the Holy Ghost was outpoured. And I said, and there is a church today that continues to teach that there is one God. And they still teach baptism the way the, the apostles did and the way Jesus taught it to be done. And we still hold to the same articles of faith that the apostles, and I'm trying to say this calmly and not get worked up, but some people are out there clapping like this. It was supposed to be a, you know, a, you know, a formal deal. And I'm trying to stay calm and I'm breathing through my nose and out my mouth, Brother Chase, and I'm trying to be calm, but I couldn't help it. I looked at the priest and I said, but with all due respect, sir, I think you, you've got it backwards. We did not come out of you. You came out of us and are our wayward children. And we welcome you to come back to the faith of our fathers. Well, he was looking for something stronger to drink than that water that was there. Because then I turned from him and I turned, and, and the rabbi and the imam were watching this quite amused. Here we are, we're, we're arguing over a, a what they see as a tritheism stance of, you know, they don't even believe in, in one God. And I turn and I said, as a matter of fact, and I walked this direction, I said, I have more alignment in my beliefs of God with these two men, the imam and the rabbi, than I do any of these men pointing toward the Christian representative. And the rabbi about swallowed his tongue and the imam, his eyes got real big, and they were shocked. And I looked at the rabbi, and I said, that is because we believe in the Shema of Israel. We believe, hero Lord, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I looked at the Muslim, and I say, we hold to the revelation of Abraham that God is the I am that I am. There was none before, neither there shall there be any after. We believe in one God. The only difference is, is uh, to the rabbi, I said, you are still looking for Messiah. To the, to the uh, imam, I said, you are awaiting the return of the 12th prophet. Our Messiah has already come in the person of Jesus Christ. We are no longer seeking. We are now receiving. Amen. And I said, and to be clear, we don't believe that Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. We believe that Jesus Christ is Elohim. We believe that Jesus Christ is Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Tzitkanu, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tisbah, El Shaddai, El Elyon. We believe he is all of those because his name is Jesus, which means Jehovah has become salvation. We believe he is the I am that I am. I'm not here to teach oneness, but here it is. We believe he is the I am that I am. Amen. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. He said, I am the I am that I am. He said, it's from everlasting to everlasting. The one who is, his is to come, the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. That's my God. And I've never been invited back. And that's a fact. So, let me make this moon a little bit smaller. <laughs> Looks like one of them Hawaiian fish hook things now. Okay. There's the crescent moon. All you artists will have to suffer through my rendition. <clears throat> so, what we're going to do now is look at these faiths. 
They are called what kind of faith? Abrahamic faith. What is their following of deity? Monotheism. Or they are monotheistic. I am thirsty. Okay. So I'm just explaining this to Addison. This is why there is a deep hatred between the Muslim. That thing is still big. Small C. My goodness. Oh, thank you. Y'all be thinking, well, I didn't put down Prince Ali, Ali, he, Ali, Baba. Okay. So, so these go back. The first faith is the, the faith of Abraham, the Jewish people. Abraham was married to a chick, and her name was Sarah. God says to, I forgot to start my timer. I, I apologize for real. God spoke to Sarah and or to Abraham and said, congratulations, you're older than hair, but you're about to have a son. And your wife is going to give birth to that son. And she laughed. You would too if you were 80 years old and somebody said, you're about to get pregnant. Way past childbearing age. So Sarah, doing what Sarah types do, they, they need to fix it. So Sarah says, yeah, I'm too old to have a baby. However, you know, according to our customs and our law, Anyone under our household that has a child, it would be the same as mine. So, um, boy, I'm going to tell you, Sarah was a trip. Sarah says, I'm not going to be able to have this baby, but have you met Hagar? She's got a great personality. No, she didn't say, she said, have you met Hagar? That's my handmaiden, and, 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 and if... Hagar were to have your son, it would be as if I had your son. Abraham's probably thinking, is this a trick question? I'd have found that mountain called Moriah and jumped. But listen, he's, you know, he's 100 plus years old, and... <laughs> She was young, and he says, okay. They never married, just, you know, there were, there were no surrogates back then. So Abraham, on counsel of woman, there's Hagar. Adam, Abraham, guys. 
So, Hagar's young. She's fertile myrtle. Bada bing, bada bang, bada boom. Nine months later, whoop, there it is. <laughs> and she has a son, and his name is? Ishmael. And Sarah's going, I've got a son. And then, I, then she saw him and didn't like him. I don't know why she didn't like him. He could have been so ugly. I don't know. She didn't like him. I mean, she probably looked at him and said, hey, my boy. That boy's so cross-eyed when he cries, tears roll down his back. He ain't my boy. That boy's so ugly, he'd make a freight train, take a dirt road. But... She didn't like him. Matter of fact, she didn't like Hagar anymore. I mean, who saw this coming? She couldn't stand Hagar. She's starting to get mad at Abraham. Hey, I'm tired of you having roast beef over at her house. You need to come stay over at my house a little bit. Well, you know, the baby, I need to help her. The baby, none of that baby's ugly. Until <laughs> finally, finally, she is forced to reignite her faith in God and, and finally, Abraham comes home one day, and, and there's candles and, you know, Teddy Pendergrass music and everything, whatever, and it's romancing and everything else, and she believes God, and nine months later, whoop, there it is, and we have Isaac. The sons. Doesn't take long where Sarah is seeing Ishmael mistreat Isaac. Because your mistakes will always mock your miracle. And Sarah starts acting more like a woman I can understand when she goes and she tells Abraham, I know you love the bond woman. I know you love that woman. And I know you love that boy. But they ain't yours. Now she's really talking like a woman I can understand. Because when everything's good, it's us and we, but when it's bad, it's yours. <laughs> a few years ago when Blue killed that blasted skunk, I got a phone call. Your dog. <laughs> that dog. Now, what do you say? That's your dog. <laughs> Get rid of him. Y'all with me so far? I'm giving you kind of a really generic, simplified version of this. So God loves Hagar. Uh, 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 he does. But Abraham loves Hagar. And Abraham loves Ishmael. He's in love with her. He loves his son. And so finally, Sarah says, you put the bondwoman and that boy out. And Abraham said, I'll never get rid of them. That's my son. That is my firstborn son. And we have a bond. And Sarah said, you get that woman and that's, you get that boy, you get him out of here. And Abraham said, well, I'll talk to God. He put you in your place last time. He'll do it again. God? She's right. <laughs> so he goes over here. And, and now God says, get rid of him. 
Abraham starts boohooing like a broken-hearted 19-year-old. Oh, my God. Oh, they're going to die. And God says, I won't kill them. They'll rule over a nation one day, but they got to go the other way. Oh, and by the way, because you won't handle your business, them boys are going to be at war. Sometimes you love your mistakes too much not to end them when they should be ended. And so now we're over here, Israel. There's, there's uh, Isaac. And then you have a guy. Isaac has a son by the name of Jacob, whose name is Israel. Congratulations, you can go home. No, I'm just kidding. This is, this is, so now we have this whole side over here. This is now. Islam is the newest of these three religions. Founded around 604 A.D., about 1,400-year-old religion. Islam believes that the prophet of their, through the revelation of their prophet Muhammad, who before he had this vision, this angel come to him. Boy, angels always come to the weirdest people, huh? Muhammad, Joseph, you know, and they start these weird religions. And uh, I, I, look, I, this is not a typical Sunday sermon. I get it. I, I want you to learn something. Mohammed, before he had this vision, this angel, this revelation, he was a mediocre merchant man. After this revelation, he is a tyrannical, bloodthirsting warlord. Because in this demonic revelation, he is told, you are the original descendants of Abraham. That actually, the Torah got it wrong. Sarah was the handmaiden, and Hagar was God's choice. So now everything that Israel has is really yours. The Bible even speaks years after Ishmael was sent into the desert about Ishmaelites. Their religion has not always been Islam. It has always been a conglomerate of pagan religions mixed with Judaism until Muhammad gets this revelation. You following this? So... This is an ancient struggle between Isaac and Ishmael, the son of promise and the son of the mistake. They've been fighting ever since in various and sundry ways. Does this make sense so far? So this is not a new war. This is an ancient war. The Ishmaelites bled in with all of the different peoples around the area at that time, for they had no single religion. They were Dagonist. They were all kinds of uh, polytheistic, pagan-type uh, uh, religions. They never held on to the true Abrahamic faith of monotheism. And so where Christianity comes in is that when Jesus Christ comes into the picture, he comes to bring reconciliation between the Jews and God. 
The Jews have been separated from God. Jesus Christ comes as God in the flesh, and he comes to reconcile them back unto God because they have been trying for thousands of years through the law of Moses to be reconciled back to God. But Paul said the law was weak and was not able to reconcile them back to God. In other words, Paul said the law just kept making worse sinners. So Jesus Christ didn't come to do away with the law. He came to complete and fulfill the law that he might reconcile the Jews back unto God. But the Bible says that, the, this is what Jesus said, Jesus said that salvation must first come to the Jews. So Jesus went to the Jews and he preached unto them. But there came a day when God reached out to you and I, amen, through a man named Cornelius, who was the first Gentile to ever receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the first Gentile to receive the forgiveness and the grace of Almighty God, the first Gentile to have his sins washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the Abrahamic faith unlocked a whole nother dimension. And this is what the prophet said 820-something years before Christ was born when Joel said, and, and he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, meaning it was no longer going to just be to the Jewish people by birth, but that God was now going to call out a people from the world unto himself. As Acts would say, a circumcision, which was the covenant of Abraham to become an Israelite, it is a covenant of circumcision not made with man's hands, but it is a circumcision of the heart. In other words, God is going to do a work from the inside out. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And so now into the picture, into the picture comes Jesus Christ. And, 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 and you know, all the sons that come, the 12 tribes, and we talked a little bit about that. Now into the picture comes Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus comes into the picture saying, I want to save the Jews. The Jews, uh, some of them received him, but most of them did not. And so he turns to the Gentiles. And this is where we come in because Paul, a Jew himself and a scholar of the law, Paul comes into Galatians. Uh, let, me, let me pull this scripture up. Paul comes in Galatians saying this in Galatians chapter number, uh, I believe it's chapter number three. He says in chapter three, verse 29, and if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. According to what promise? According to this promise. This promise from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It now belongs to those of us who are in Christ because they are physical Israel. We now become spiritual Israel. They are Israel by birth. We are Israel by rebirth. They, they are Israel by heritage. We are Israel by salvation. Oh, hallelujah. And so you need to know our role in the whole mix of this thing, amen, is that when someone is being an anti-Semite, they're being an anti-Christian. Because those who have been born again of the water and of the spirit, amen, are born into the seed of Abraham. And every promise that ever belonged to them, it now belongs to us in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Praise God. Let me, let me start finding the runway here. Uh, and so now there is a, a, a intense fixture of trying to destroy 
Israel. If this whole, if this whole board here uh, were the Middle East or Arab country, let's just say this whole board was Arab country, Syria, Libya, Turkey, Sudan, Iran, Iraq, Dubai, UAE, this whole board, if it represented all the Arab countries of the world in land, let me show you how big Israel is. So what the Palestinians and the Arabs are saying is that's too much. So from 1948 until 2009, here's what Israel did. They said, okay, we'll give you that. And the Arabs said, uh-uh, that's not enough. So we gave them that. It's not enough. We, we want more. Errol Sharon came in and said, are you kidding me? You want more? Will you, stop, will you stop rocketing our elementary schools? Will you stop slaughtering our children if we give you that right there? Yes. Don't ever trust them. We're called kufar in Islam. That means you are less than a dog if you are an unbeliever. They can lie to you. They can, they can violate the own tenets of their faith if you are not a believer, and that's what they did. Israel gave them that. And that's about where they stand right now. And they're saying that is not enough. Guess how much they want. They will not be happy until it is all completely gone and not even a speck of the Jewish people are living on this earth. And you say, Pastor, I think you're being hyperbolic with your verbiage there. I don't think you know what you're talking about. Well, let me just say what the deputy head of Iran's Islamic Republic Revolutionary Guard Corps, Hossein Salome, said uh, that Tehran's strategy would to be to eventually wipe out Israel from the map and the globe. Stated that in the Times of Israel, January 28, 2019. Iranian Brigadier General Reza Nagata declared that wiping Israel off the map is not up for negotiation to us. For years, these same radicalists get on Twitter and they tweet, please don't take my word for it, go find it. Alatollah Khomeini, Somali, all of these guys get on Twitter, death to Israel, exterminate the Jews. Ask me if Twitter has ever taken down one of their tweets. But if you misgender somebody, you'll get kicked off of Facebook or Twitter. There is a, there is a seething hatred of anti-Semitism that is being promoted from politicians to tech giants. But I've got news they'll never remove God's people until God's ready to take his people out. Just the other day, I'll tell the community, got on Twitter and he said, Zionist tyrants, you will never arise from your defeat. 
the 7th of October, you brought this calamity upon yourself. You will never rise from your graves. From the head supreme leader of Iran. It's clear that Iran is dedicated to the extermination of the Jewish people. Is this okay so far? Don't worry, I'm almost done. We know that Iran is fixated on the destruction of Israel. And if they ever get a nuclear weapon, listen, when people show you who they are, you better start believing it. And I'm grateful, however you feel about the last president, I am at least grateful he got out of the deal that was going to give Iran the ability to get a nuclear weapon. Because you know what Iran's going to do when they get a nuclear weapon? They're going to point it right at Jerusalem. They're going to point it right at Tel Aviv. Amen. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to get censored on social media. That's okay. Because uh, several months ago, several months ago, our fearless leader decided to give Iran $6 billion in exchange for five people. $6 billion. People were saying, don't do it. Iran's going to take that money and they're going to give it to the Palestinians through Hamas and they're going to buy weapons with it. Anybody want to take a guess what has happened since June when Iran got that $6 billion? They gave it to Hamas. Hamas bought weapons from Afghanistan. Anybody want to take a guess where those weapons in Afghanistan came from? You're our same fearless leader who bailed out of Afghanistan and left $85 billion of military equipment. Israelis are dying with our own money and because of our own military weaponry. We need to pray for godly leadership to help protect Israel. Because they say one thing in front of the cameras, but I was always taught actions speak louder than words. This is, when you want to know about prophecy, you want to know about the rapture, you look to Israel. It's God's time clock. The first war in 50 years declared by Israel was declared last week. We better wake up and realize we are close to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'd better be ready because prophecy always comes back to Jerusalem, not New York, not San Francisco, not Tokyo, not Washington, D.C., amen, not Sao Paulo. It doesn't go anywhere. When it comes to prophecy, it all aims at Jerusalem because you see that little city, that little sliver of land will play a key role in the last events of the last days. Zechariah 12 and 3, God says, on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an un immovable rock for all nations and all who try to move it will injure themselves and I am saying amen God is going to protect Israel and God is going to protect Jerusalem but I am telling us here we need to look toward Jerusalem and say come quickly Lord Jesus the, the stage is being set for the second coming of the Lord amen now I've got to say this because I, 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 I want to um, I am not a prophecy guru. I am not one of those that's going to start saying, I know when Jesus is coming back. Anybody that says that's a liar. Nobody knows when he's coming back. I am telling you, I don't know the day. 
But Jesus revealed to us the seasons in Matthew 24, and we are starting to see the signs of his coming. Church, they've been preaching it 43 years of my life. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And let me tell you something. I believe it more now than I believed it 40 years ago because the signs are coming together right now in front of us. Amen. The war is the, the world is surrounding Israel, but the good news is God is going to snatch his church out of this earth. He is going to call us out of the earth. Amen. To resurrect, to be living with him forever. Amen. Brother Lucas, if you'll come. This is where I want to kind of put it to. All the nations of the earth. We've not even begun to see it, how it's starting to unfold. You're going to see more nations begin to back. You're going to see more nations begin to back Palestine. I don't know, Pastor. It sounds like a stretch. Uh, Ishmael's always stick together. One of the leaders of Saudi Arabia just said yesterday, I think it was yesterday or Friday, they said any nation, any nation that helps Israel, we're going to cut them off from our fuel. The UAE, other energy-producing nations in the Middle East, Brother Chase, that's what they said. They said if you stand against Palestine, you stand against us, and we will slow down our oil production towards your nation. You know what that means? I'm paying almost $7 a gallon for diesel. What are you paying for gas? Think about it doubling and tripling and quadrupling. We don't, we don't produce our own energy anymore. We stopped that about two years ago. Genius move, huh? I love how they say, we got to clean the environment. So the cleanest production of energy in the world, we got to stop it and give it to the nations that do it the dirtiest. And now those nations say, if you stand with them, we're going to cut you off. That's heating our homes. That's powering our cars. Now China's sliding in behind them. And Russia's stepping in behind Palestine. The global superpowers of the world are slowly beginning to come to the table. But what does this mean for me? It means lift up your heel, eyes to the heels. From whence cometh your help. Because the good news is, God's going to catch his church up out of here. Oh, there's going to be a war that's going to, a war to end all wars. There's going to be a war. But here's the good news. If you've been born again, if you're spiritual Israel, you don't have to go through that. If you were not born, if you were not born an Israelite the first time, it's real simple. Really simple. You die. You're buried, that's my headstone. And then you're resurrected. Repent, 
That's what that is. Because the Bible says repentance is a type of the death that Jesus died on the cross. Then you're baptized. Baptism is the same as burial. Then you're baptized. And then because you're baptized, amen, you're buried. The old man is buried. The sins are buried. We don't have to leave you in the baptistry. You come up out of the baptistry and you walk in the fulfillment of the Holy Ghost in your life. And that is the good news. If you've obeyed this right here, you have become spiritual Israel. And when God says, I'm getting ready to take my church out of here, when that trumpet sounds, when the rapture takes place, when the resurrection takes place, all of a sudden God's going to call his church up out of the earth. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet them in the air. And you know what's going to happen? This is what gets me so excited. Oh, I hate to see all the horror and all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East. And it breaks my heart. And I'm praying, God, do what you got to do over there and, and, and bring peace. But the good news is this stuff brings us closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ than anything else will. He's going to call his children home. He's going to blast that trumpet. He's going to call us up to meet him in the air. We're going to visit with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then the Bible said that Jesus is going to come riding back to the earth with ten thousands of his saints. And Jesus is going to put his foot upon the top of the Mount of Olives. Amen. And there in Jerusalem, he's going to begin to establish his kingdom on earth. And there's going to be a war against the four great kings of the north, the south, the east, and the west. And there in the battle of Armageddon, you and I will fight on behalf of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We'll subdue the enemy. The Bible says that Satan and his demons will be bound in chains of everlasting darkness. There's going to be 1,000 years of absolute peace on the earth. And the lion will lay down with the lamb. But the only way to be there is to become spiritual Israel and be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to come back to this earth and you and I, we're going to get to rule and reign with Christ as he sets his kingdom upon the earth. New Jerusalem coming down, 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles square. New Jerusalem set up on the earth. The Bible said in that day, in that day, Brother Garza, the Bible says you'll be 100 years old and still considered to be a child. Amen. When we rule and reign with Christ, in the millennial but the only way you're going to get there is to go down in the waters and baptism in the name of the only one who could bring salvation and receive the gift that glorious promise of the Holy Ghost amen that's what it's all about amen everything that's happening with Israel you know what that should cause you to do not stock up on rice and chicken noodle soup it ought to get you ready to meet Jesus it ought to get you ready to meet Jesus you ought to look toward the east and say even so come quickly Lord Jesus even so come quickly Lord Jesus would you stand with me right now hallelujah 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 amen amen I'm excited about that Are you excited about that day
they may fling rockets into Israel and they're going to. Matter of fact, my understanding is Hamas said just a couple of days ago, they said, man, these rockets are pretty heavy. We want to meet for peace talks. And Netanyahu, knowing who he is, being the people of God, he said, no. We're not even going to consider talking until every one of you are dead. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. But even more, we stand with men and women making their souls right with God because he's coming back. I don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back quick. His, closing, his coming is closer now than it has ever been. I want you to lift your hands right where you are for a moment before we open these altars. Hallelujah. This is a good time for a soul check. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to make sure that I'm ready to meet you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Your redemption is drawn nigh. Your redemption is drawn nigh. kid I thought Jesus was coming any second I remember they'd start telling that there was no internet they'd bring out these black and white newspapers from Israel had pictures of red heifers on them at least they said they were it was black and white me they said they're fixing to start building the temple Jesus fixing to come obviously it hasn't happened but I read that several months ago that the Orthodox Jews, that they have found the right red heifer. Now, I'm not into all the blood moons. And I'm, not, I'm not into superstitions and all that stuff. But I do think it's a little ironic that they have found what they are saying, this is the one to sacrifice that will bring Messiah. And then all of a sudden these rockets are being lobbed. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming soon. And I want to be prepared to meet him. And I want to take as many people with me as I can by sharing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know right now there's hope and there's opportunity. 
I pray that before we leave here, we leave here with a greater understanding of the times that we live in prophetically. I really didn't even get into the prophecies of it. Maybe I will next Sunday. I, I, I don't know. I just know that the whole world is on their tiptoes right now. The, the whole world is watching this and what's going on. And we as the people of God, we ought not go back as church as usual. We ought not just say, well, let's sing our songs and preach our little sermon and go home and be. No, we need to say, yes, something's happening here. Something's happening on the global stage. And it's worth taking time out of our regular scheduled program to preach and to teach about the second coming of Jesus Christ because he is coming back and I can't stop it and you can't stop it and Israel can't stop it and Muhammad can't stop it and Iran can't stop it and China can't stop it and the U.S. can't stop it and the United Arab Emirates can't stop it. He is coming. All we can do is get ready. All we can do is get ready. The Bible said he's coming back for one who is without spot nor wrinkle in her garment. Lord Jesus, keep me, Lord. Lord, help me keep my garments clean and spotless, oh God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Oh, I feel his presence moving in this place right now. Does anybody else feel the, the coming of the Lord just, just on our heels? Does anybody else? Do you feel that in this place right now? Do you feel the glory of the Lord just moving through this place saying, come on, get ready, I'm coming. Come on, get ready, I'm coming. You don't got to pack a bag, can't none of it come with you anyway. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. I want to open these altars right now for anybody that says, I, I want to make myself ready. I, I want to make sure that I'm ready. My calling and election is sure. I want to open this altar for somebody that says, I've got a loved one, I've got a friend that I want to be saved, to see saved before the coming of the Lord. I, I, I want to be ready. Lord, the signs are pointing to your returning. Everything is pointing toward your returning. Lord, help us watch and wait. Help us watch and be ready. In the name of Jesus, go ahead. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, the four kings of the earth and Daniel, they're already starting together. Amen. But God's church is united together. We're going to see a greater harvest before the second coming of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. for you right now. We're praying for the Jewish communities in our cities. We're praying for the nation of Israel right now.
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.